Welcome to That Oxford Girl podcast. I'm Poddy Wilson. I'm a current student here, and since 2020, I've been writing for That Oxford Girl blog as a student ambassador. That Oxford Girl is a free access resource consisting of blog posts written by current students, shedding light on life at Oxford, colleges, applications, and more. In each episode of the podcast, I'll be inviting on a different guest to speak about the highs and lows of life at the world's most famous university. That said, today's episode is going to be a little different. Rather than speaking to a current student, I'll be speaking to a former one, That Oxford Girl founder, Tilly Rose. Tilly is an author, patient advocate and activist for greater access to higher education. When Tilly was just five years old, she visited her great-aunt's farm in Ireland and ate a bowl of cereal with a jug of thick, creamy milk, an act which was set to change her path forever. Unbeknown to Tilly, this was unpasteurised milk straight from the cow's udder, containing M. bovis tuberculosis. This catapulted Tilly into 18 years of life as a patient. When everything else was so beyond her control, studying became her unwavering focus. She taught herself from hospital and home and went on to read English literature and language at Jesus College, Oxford University. Tilly's own challenging journey inspired her platform, That Oxford Girl, a powerful and free resource increasing access, social mobility and diversity at Oxford University. That Oxford Girl now has a team of over 100 student ambassadors, sharing their experiences and opening the doors to Oxford Uni. In 2018, Tilly's book, That Oxford Girl, A Real Student's Guide to Oxford University, was published. Kind of the whole journey really began when I was 10 years old and I went to Oxford on a day out with my mum and dad in the holidays and we were just there to go shopping and have a look around the city, had no concept or understanding of the university and we then we stumbled across this sign outside Balliol College which is one of the kind of central Oxford colleges on Broad Street and I walked into this quad in Balliol and turned around to my mum and dad and said I'm going here <laughs> to which they laughed um but I, I just made up my mind in that moment that this place was just incredible and I wanted that as my goal but then it was the following year um aged 11 that I started to become quite seriously ill and I ended up getting pneumonia for the first time and that then continued for the next well, the next 13 years I was in that hospital constantly on IV antibiotics I missed a lot of school and when it got to my GCSE year I ended up undergoing an emergency bowel resection which meant I was in hospital again for a long period of time and I was told by my school not to bother taking my GCSEs and not to bother applying to university but this 10 year old dream I'd had was still very much there and despite kind of all of this hospital and illness I ended up yeah, teaching myself from, from hospital and home really and almost decided that I wasn't going to rely on school and I think partly I look back and say that whole journey really was what got me there I kind of question if that hadn't all happened if I would have ended up at Oxford because it taught me independent learning it taught me not to rely on the school curriculum so by the time I got to interview I wasn't maybe just reeling off sort of the same thing that students were talking about from the curriculum I'd I'd looked elsewhere I'd followed my passions and yeah I think I think it I owe a lot 
despite I'm obviously wishing it never happened I owe a lot um to that in terms of my Oxford dream really it's so wonderful to hear how you've had this adversity in your life and you've managed to turn it on its head and and really find the silver lining in such a, an awful time in your life. Um, I'm interested in your application. What were the kind of things that you were teaching yourself? You said you were teaching yourself from home uh, in order to yeah. advance your application. How, how did your application process go for you? I think because my school, and I think this is the case um, sadly of a lot of students that I've met since, and particularly you know amongst our student ambassadors, I've heard again and again, that my school certainly did not encourage me to apply to Oxford. In fact, I'd say they they discouraged me to apply to university, let alone the top university in the world. So it was very much just down to me if I wanted to kind of go forward with this. And I ended up, I think, not relying on what I was being taught at school because I wasn't in the classroom. So I had the textbooks at home and I was teaching myself from the textbooks and the curriculum. But then what I was doing, which maybe was slightly different, which I say kind of as a top tip for anyone applying, is I was taking something that I maybe saw on the school curriculum that I found interesting, and I was developing it further than I probably would have done in the classroom. So I was sort of following those passions. So I remember, sort of give you an example, I, in my, it was English that I really wanted to apply for. And in my English class, we read Virginia Woolf's Orlando. And I had that book at home with me, but rather than simply reading Orlando, I then took it a step further and went and read Virginia Woolf's diaries. So I started to then learn about the context of her life. I started to learn about the Bloomsbury group that she mixed in. And it sort of gave me an extra insight into the book that I was doing at school. And then I took that a step further and read other books by her. And I then read, and this is all sort of about connections, really. I then read one book, um, which was called Flush, which was written from the perspective of a poet called Elizabeth Barrett Browning's dog. So it's a bit of a random book. It wasn't one that I don't, I think many people who sort of read Virginia Woolf came across. And then that led me to create a link because I also really liked Robert Browning's poetry. And Elizabeth Barrett Browning was Robert Browning's wife. So suddenly I was making all of these connections beyond school I was doing it by myself, but by the time I got to say writing my personal statement or getting to interview, there were all of these areas that were joining together that excited me. I'd gone so much further than just what was written in the book. I now understood the context, the history. And yeah, I think placing your subject within this wider net of kind of knowledge and information, I think that's what got me in. Fantastic. Yeah, I do agree. I certainly felt in my interviews that uh, the things that my tutors latched onto most were the connections that I'd made and the the literature and how one text inspired me to look to another. So I think that's a fantastic point, particularly in yeah, uh, and I think that's they do often season. they do often ask those sorts of things, don't they? That I remember by the time I got to interview, like you, I was asked, "What do you think that um, it was actually Christina Rossetti, one of the poets I talked mm. about? What do you think Christina Rossetti would have thought of Virginia Woolf?" And it wasn't something I'd ever considered, but they were looking for you to make those connections. Yeah, so I exactly. agree. I think it's it's an important area to think about. Fantastic. Um, skipping ahead to when you arrived at Oxford, you went to Jesus College to read English literature yeah. and language. It was only after you'd arrived there that you actually received your diagnosis. So how did this impact yeah, your correct. life at yeah. university? Yeah, well, it was, I mean, it was awful really, but being at Jesus, getting into Oxford, 
as I said, it was a dream come true and it really lived up to the expectation for me. I absolutely loved being there. I loved everything about the experience. I, 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 I pinch myself and I still do when I go back there. Every time that I walk into the quad in Jesus that I actually got there and it is such as you as you know you're living it now such a unique experience that I really do believe for many students will stay with you for life but I did have this yeah thing at the center of it which for me was constantly disrupting it and from the moment I started I was missing big chunks of term in and out of hospital and the Oxford terms are only short they're only eight weeks so if you miss a few weeks that that's a lot of the term that you're missing so it was extremely stressful I was constantly playing catch up and I was constantly having to be so organized to be ahead of the game to make sure that when there would be another disaster around the corner I was up to date with all of my work and yeah because I was constantly kind of playing catch up with these deadlines but then it was yes as you say in my second year that I received my diagnosis I'd actually missed six weeks out of an eight-week term off Oxford in hospital. And I didn't know um, at this point that there there was a, there was, I don't know whether there still is, there was a residency rule at Oxford where you had to be in the city, in your halls for a certain amount of the term. And I received a letter during that hospital admission saying that I needed to take a year out of university to focus the words were on getting better at that point I didn't have a diagnosis so I knew I wasn't getting better my life sadly was only getting worse um the pneumonias were becoming more frequent and I ended up arranging a meeting with the academic director of my college my tutors the welfare officer where I effectively had to go and fight my corner and fight my case to say that for somebody in my situation, it made absolutely no sense to take a year out because I was going to come back most likely in a worse state. And I'd seen that there was a precedent at this stage for a four year degree where you could spread your degree from three to four years in unique circumstances. And I presented that (laughs) and I, I ended up in the end, they did extend my degree to four years And during that time, I did get my diagnosis, which was that I'd been living with 13 years of undiagnosed active tuberculosis. So (laughs) that was a a massive thing to take on whilst being a student. Uh, The only plus was that I knew I had a bit more time to complete this degree now, because I then had to start 18 months of chemotherapy treatment in order to eradicate this horrible TB in my body. And as anybody who's been on chemo will know, they are not nice drugs. So to be on those whilst also trying to do an Oxford degree was extremely, extremely challenging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How awful to have gone through that. Having said that, in this dark time where you're struggling with your illness, am I right in saying you were awarded an exhibition? I was. Where have you found that information? From the book. I've (laughs) read it. Of course I have. (laughs) I was, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, but yeah, if you're listening to this, um, Oxford have some odd terminology, don't they? For all they these really different, do. Yeah. Well, for a lot of different things at Oxford, but one of them is academic prizes. And an exhibition isn't quite as prestigious as a scholarship, but um, I was awarded an exhibition. Yes, 
from, I believe it was from my collection results, which are your sort of termly mock examinations for want of a better description that you submit to your tutors and you get marks on. And I guess it's really a way of just seeing how you're progressing. And yeah, somehow during all of this, I was managing to keep up and I, yeah, I was awarded an exhibition, which was amazing. Yeah, such a great testament to your efforts. I I love that you still managed to keep up the academic rigour in spite of just everything that had been thrown in your direction. So after you graduated, your illness was still well, rampant, really, and meaning that you weren't able to enter the workplace um, in a formal manner but you had an idea and you'd spotted a gap in the market can you tell me a bit about what you decided to do I did yes you're right so as happens with a lot of Oxford students a lot of my friends were leaving Oxford and heading off into quite high-powered corporate jobs and I wasn't in a position to go and work full-time the reality was I didn't ever really want one of those corporate jobs, but often you feel you should be doing what everybody else is doing. Absolutely. And that was sort of a pattern, I think, through my my whole journey that when I was there, I felt that I, I was worried about kind of being labelled and not being the same as everybody else. And then when I left and graduated, rather than sort of just enjoying the success of this degree, I had this huge panic that I was going to have this massive gap on my CV, whereas all my friends were off into the city. But as you say, I had, I'd spotted a gap. When I arrived at Oxford, I met a lot of students who had been given so much support and help by their schools with the application process. But then there were a whole another group of students who had virtually had none. And at that point in time, there wasn't any free resource that was offering applicants an insight into both the application process but also life when they actually got to Oxford and I thought that that was such a key part of it because Oxford is a hugely intimidating place for a lot of people when you start there for most people I think the architecture is magnificent the libraries are ginormous and difficult to navigate the halls are like going to Harry Potter Hall in Hogwarts and it's a scary place to, to start. So I wanted to create something that gave an insight into not only the process of applying, but also what life was actually like, but not from the official university voice, which was, let's face it, quite dull, very informative and factual. I wanted yes. it to be something that was fun and welcoming <clears throat> and you know showed what life was like from the student perspective. Mm -hmm. So that was the idea and it came about really, as I say, from writing was my thing and I wanted to fill this gap on my CV and I'd spotted that I felt that I could support some people with this process. So I started what was really just a blog and an Instagram and I started blogging about my own experiences of applying and being at Oxford and it just really quickly took off in a way that I never imagined and there was this huge interest and following and loads of engagement on the platform. And I think for the first time, somebody was using social media to engage young people in this conversation. And that's where young people are. So it was kind of a move away from the official university pages onto something that was a lot more accessible. And as it developed, I began to realize that it, it really was turning into more of a resource that was opening the doors to Oxford, increasing access, increasing social mobility, diversity. And it was this thought process that then led to what well, you joined, the Student Ambassador Scheme. 
Lovely. So if we can go on to that, yeah. I I mean, I've been a student ambassador since 2020. There are now over 100 student ambassadors that are writing for the blog. Um, for the listeners, what kind of things can you expect a student ambassador to get up to? What's the sort of role that they take on? Yeah, so I kind of quickly realised that I needed more than just my perspective of Oxford. I was one perspective, but there were all of these different perspectives that needed to be shared. And I launched the student ambassador scheme and it was incredible. Loads of students signed up and they were from a really diverse range of backgrounds. And many of them had overcome huge obstacles to get into Oxford, whether that be that they were from a minority background, they were from a low income family, that were disability illness, that we covered so many different areas and so many different experiences and continue to. And I think as well, the, the great thing about that Oxford girl um, hopefully you agree, Polly, is that it's a fun thing to be a part of. So Absolutely. you were sharing your experiences, but at the same time, it wasn't a huge commitment. We asked for one blog post a term about your experiences or your application. And then student ambassadors, which is also um, quite, quite fun, work with and collaborate with brands in the city. And we run a student ambassador reward scheme where ambassadors receive goodies and giveaways from businesses in Oxford as a reward for their hard work in opening the doors. And in conjunction with that, the businesses then also get promotions on our social media platforms. So what's really nice is that we're kind of integrating the ambassador scheme into both the university and the city. And we have seen, and it's been proven um, in our stats of students who have gone on to be offered places that this is working. The platform is working. We have had so many testimonials from young people who have followed it all the way through their application process and have either gone on to get a place at Oxford or equally have gone on to get a place at another fantastic university. And I always say it's not just about getting into Oxford. It's about raising aspirations. And I think that's what that Oxford girl does. Yeah, I have to say it's one of my favourite times of year when uh, people receive their offers and suddenly there's a flurry of messages that are all over the social media from people saying, oh, I've read these articles and these have helped me with my application or choosing a college or anything like that. So there's not only the rewards in the sense of the sort of mutually beneficial dynamic with the city and the the social media rewards scheme, but also seeing the repercussions of of the blog um, has been really fantastic over the four years. So um, definitely on on a personal level. Yeah, those messages are are amazing and it's great when people get in touch to tell us that it's made a difference because as you say I think for the student ambassadors to see what a difference these posts are making yeah it's fantastic exactly and for people listening who want to get involved with the ambassador scheme how would they go about doing that yeah so the student ambassador scheme every so often on our social media channels we put up stories with a sign up form where you can enter your details we ask for a bit of information about you the background you've come from what you might be interested in sharing with us and writing about. And then we will be sending out uh, welcome emails not too long after that. So at the moment, yeah, we've got over 100 student ambassadors. And as things change and certain ambassadors can't uh, be a part of it anymore, uh, we then look to recruit more. So it'll be different times of years, but not necessarily a set time. So keep your eyes peeled on our That Oxford Girls stories for that. So a couple of years ago, the blog of That Oxford Girl led to the creation of a book. How did this come about uh, and what what were your experiences of becoming a first-time author? Again, I'd 
I guess spotted a gap in the market but I'd gone around the various bookshops in Oxford whilst I was studying there and I'd noticed that there were quite a lot of dreary factual books on the city and university but there was nothing colourful, nothing fun, nothing about the application process and life behind the college walls. So I set about writing a book that was different, that was a book that you could pick up and put down, had small snippets of information, top tips, insights into the city, the traditions, the university, academic life, also a whole chapter on starting Oxford. So it would be a great thing for freshers to read before they begin. And also a whole chapter on the application process, both sharing some of my stories, but also more widely, there's a whole two pages on real life interview questions, which I know people often find really helpful because that's such a mythical part of the experience. So really it's trying to dispel the myths, open the doors, and again, do it in a fun and kind of quirky way. So yeah, getting the publishing deal for that was so exciting. And I still sort of pinch myself. We had the book launch at Blackwell's, which was mad. Oh, how lovely. I bought my books during my course and it was fantastic. And loads of the businesses in the city got involved, as well as lots of the contacts through that Oxford girl uh, that we'd made over the years. So yeah, very exciting. Yeah. And yeah, that book's available on Amazon and various online um, and in-person retailers. Mm-hmm. I'd say I found the uh, the glossary bit particularly useful. There are, as we've said before, there's so many words at Oxford that are unique to the university experience and things like pitches and battles and and all the rest of it. Do you have a favourite Oxford term? Favourite Oxford term? Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah, you put me on the spot and I can't think of any. Where's my book? No, it's somewhere here. Yeah. <laughs> Let me pull it up. I can't think of all the rest now. Okay, yeah, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> I've got it. Yeah. So my favourite Oxford term is probably matriculation. This is the ceremony, for those of you who don't know, that, and why would you know, I had no idea about it before I started, (laughs) where students put on their academic dress, another Oxford term, their subfusk, and they are officially welcomed into the university in the Sheldonian Theatre. And for me, that was sort of like the pinnacle. I, at my matriculation ceremony, I remember just looking around the Sheldonian Theatre at this sea of students in their academic dress and thinking me, little old me got in here, this is ridiculous. So that would always have a, a place in my heart, that word. Wonderful. Um, for people wanting to find out more information on That Oxford Girl, where can they find it? Yes, so head over to our online platform, which is www.thatoxfordgirl.com. And on there, you will be able to access all of the blog posts for free. It is totally free and open to everybody from all of the student ambassadors. And there, it is literally bursting with content. So that's a great place to start. We also have an Instagram page at that Oxford girl, where we post beautiful pictures of Oxford and also introduce you to some members of our team who share their stories on there. And through the Instagram, you'll also be able to find out when new blog posts have been released, which are on a weekly basis. And yeah, our brilliant editor, Amy, um, who is also one of the student ambassadors, has been working on the blog for the last year and doing a fantastic job. So yeah, there's lots of content for you. And then obviously there's also the book, which you can find on Amazon or other online retailers. Fantastic. Finally, this is the first episode of this new podcast. What can listeners expect from the coming episodes? 
So I'm so excited, Polly, that you are launching the podcast this term. And we have some fantastic guests lined up for the listeners, including Oxford student influencers, who you may already know of. We also have our brilliant That Oxford Girls student ambassadors. And there will be a range of postgrads and undergrads from a diverse range of backgrounds, showing you hopefully that anyone from any background can consider applying to Oxford. And we hope that this inspires you to do so. And also they will be sharing lots of information with you along the way. We know that this term is a big one for the application process with personal statements, work submissions, entrance exams, interviews. This is a really key term in the Oxford calendar. So yeah, definitely make sure you subscribe for updates because hopefully our interviewees will be sharing lots of top tips for you on that process. Thank you very much. Tilly Rose there speaking to me about her experiences with being at Oxford and the trials and tribulations of suffering with long-term illness. Thank you very much for speaking to me. Thank you very much. My thanks again to Tilly Rose for joining me on this week's podcast. If you enjoyed it, do not forget to subscribe and hit the bell to be notified when the next episode is uploaded. Also, don't forget to check out the website for That Oxford Girl, which is www.thatoxfordgirl.com and make sure you're following the Instagram for all the latest. Thanks again for listening and I hope you'll join me next week. Bye.